Welcome to Out of the Box Radio with me, your host, Christine Blasdale. Out of the Box Radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life. And each and every week, we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health, wellness, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're going to be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale, and I am so happy that you're joining me this hour because we are going to be talking about all things health-related with a fantastic gentleman. He um, well, he is the author of a book called Abundant Health in a Toxic World. David Getoff is also a nationally board-certified clinical nutritionist and traditional naturopath. Yay! Um <laughs> I love naturopathic physicians, naturopathic healers, because they have so much knowledge. He's also a lecturer, educator, and educational DVD producer. And I want to welcome to Out of the Box with Christine, Mr. David Getoff, the detox professor. Hi, David. My pleasure. I am absolutely thrilled. There's, There's nothing I like better than educating people. And since I can only see one at a time, well, sometimes there's a family here, but since I generally am, am uh, uh, treating one person at a time in my office, I love it when I'm instead lecturing to large amounts of people either in an auditorium uh, or on a web or broadcast uh, station because that's it gets more information to more people all at once, and that just makes me shine. And you know the beautiful thing about it, is, uh, David, is that you can also, with these programs, you can easily share them on social media or in an email. You know, once the, uh, the show is done, th- there'll be a YouTube video of this program, and so people, uh, yourself, and, then, and people who hear something that really resonates with them and they want to share the information or with their family members, Members that they're like, oh my gosh, you got to hear about this, um, in particular on detoxification, which I know we're going to get into. But they can share it easily in an email or on their or on their Facebook page. And to me, that's really not revolutionary publishing, but it's um, it's the way for people to get uh, the information in their hands, and they're the ones who disseminate it, and not just the corporate, you know, ABC, CBS, CNN, those people. And that is to me. Absolutely, um, vitally important in this time we're in right now. So I totally agree, and of uh-huh. course, as soon as you send me the link to that, then I'll be able to have that to share with people. You got it. You got it. Um, so let's just start off with um, we can have so much to talk about in 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 an hour, but let's talk about the title of your book, "Abundant Health in a Toxic World." Toxic world. Now, when we say toxic world, immediately some people think, well, that's just like in certain parts of the world. There's, you know, of course, there's uh, uh, problems with uh, water in certain lakes and and we have the environmental, the climate uh, issue that's going on right now with the heated environment and things like that. But what you're talking about is a lot more than just what's going on that we see also uh, reported in the news, correct? Uh, correct, and 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 what's what's really uh, what's really bothersome um, is that the public uh, is so much in the dark uh, because of a combination of both things not getting to the media and something maybe getting to the media, but because of some large group or corporation that doesn't want the media to bring it out to the public, it doesn't get told. So we all know, everybody listening to us, I'm sure, knew all about Flint, Michigan, and all the lead in their water and all these different things and how the the city knew it for a long, long time. Uh, But they might not have read the actual articles that were written about it later uh, that showed that there were hundreds of other cities around the United States that had high levels of lead uh, and that some of them were close to or maybe even more than what Flint had. But we don't hear about those because that's not what they want to get out to us. And there's, you know, toxins in the air from all the pesticides and herbicides. There's all sorts of uh, toxic substances in, in our shampoos, in our cream rinses, in our toothpaste, in our foods. And it, it rarely gets talked about because the uh, uh, big corporations, you know, the Bears, the Monsantos, uh, 
I mean, we could go into all of them, including you know Pepsi and Coke and everybody else. All these corporations, tobacco organizations, they don't want us to know the facts that their higher ups know. I'm not even convinced that the lower people in those organizations and those multinational corporations, I'm not even convinced that they know what's going on. I think you have to get pretty high before you have the people that know they're hurting people and just don't care because it's making the money. I think most people working for those companies really think they're doing a good thing and working for a good company, and the stuff just gets suppressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, word. Uh, not, not only does it get su- it gets suppressed, and then um, the truth gets really twisted around, which is that drives me nuts as well. I don't watch television because I I, I don't like the energy. Um, it sounds it's not a unicorn fairy kind of thing. It's just that I don't um, I don't resonate really well with the energy that comes off of the television um, on particular shows. I don't like the shock, you know, when they shock you with something. Um, but I when I do watch i am I, especially when if i ever catch anything on the news i can see because i know what i know the truth i know what it is what the truth is and then i see how they twist it and i, I it's like you're living in an or- orwellian world so that's why um i'm really i'm so happy that you have uh information for our listeners so that they can actually um you know and and compare and contrast right listen to um listen to what the mainstream media is saying but also listen to what um people who have been studying this for years and years and you being called the detox professor i know that you have really and being a traditional naturopath uh and nutritionist you have really focused in on these things that are causing us harm and um, I just want to go, I wanted to go through a few of these things with you so that our listeners can become better educated and make better decisions in their lives. So, um, let's go, let's, let's, let's start with a couple, a couple things. You had mentioned just, we, we had mentioned briefly about the water and, um, not only in Flint, Michigan, but across the country, the art, the levels of arsenic. And there's something that they also, um, are finding in the water and this is being added, which, um, <laughs> you could tell what the official story is on this. They're adding um, fluoride to the water, doctor. Uh, I mean, professor, detox professor. They're adding uh, fluoride to the water. And I wanted to know, as a naturopath, uh, a certified traditional nat- naturopath and a nutritionist, what I, what is your take on fluoride? Well, you know, one of the things I always say, both in my lectures and in my classes, is I tr- I try to do my best not to give my take on anything. And instead, talk about what the research says, because that way somebody can't poke holes in what I say, because they can't say David Getoff said this. Uh, David Getoff is giving them what the research has shown. And the EPA themselves has come out saying that fluoride should not be added to the water supply. It has never been shown in any kind of drinking water situation to reduce cavities. It has been shown to greatly increase hip fracture rates, to reduce IQ in children, uh, to cause all sorts of various different types of cancer risks. And, and we know all these different things. And what really bugs me the most about that particular, uh, some people call it a, a, a protected uh, uh, contaminant mm-hmm. uh, is that chlorine, chlorine and chloramines, uh, which are not good for us, are put in the water to make the water safe. So they're put in the water to reduce the level or the risk or the possibilities of us getting some kind of bacterial or viral or fungal infection. And that's and that's okay. You know, you put on a good filter in your house and you remove the chlorine and chloramines afterwards. And so they've done their job all the way up to your house. Now you can remove them. Fluoride, however is put in the water to treat the people who are drinking the water. That is giving somebody a prescription without having them taken a prescription. In other words, you are treating the public without their permission, without any doctor's order, and with all sorts of different amounts. And so many, many counties around the uh, United States have pulled it out, have sued their state and say, you can't treat us without our permission. There are federal laws on that. And yet in California, of course, they're doing it. So it's, it's, it's toxic. It causes massive problems. I've got a lot of stuff on fluoride on my website. The EPA has come out against it over and over again. And again, it's not there to treat the water. It's there to treat us. And that's simply wrong. We had, we should have the right to uh, decide we don't want any kind of medication that we might not want unless we're in jail. That word, exactly. And when you threw out, you said uh, uh, there's more information on your website. Why don't you throw out that website? We'll give it throughout the show, but uh, throw out the website address for people who want to go check it out. 
Sure. The difficult way to get it, so I don't usually use this, is the actual web address, which is naturopathforyou.com. But people spell naturopath wrong. They don't know which for to use, <laughs> F-O-R, F-O-U-R. Is it Y-O-U or the letter U? So I bought davidgetoff.com, and when you put in davidgetoff.com, it immediately seamlessly sends you to the actual website, and then you can see what it's actually called. So davidgetoff.com is the easiest way to do it. Uh, pretty much everybody can spell David, and as long as they don't think that my, my name is misspelled and screwed up as long as it's just get off they'll get that right also <laughs> perfect david get off.com that's wonderful thank you um i also uh, something that's you know something that's really taking storm especially well especially here in california but across the country is the um uh, there's there's more and more acceptance now of uh of, of hemp products of of cbd products in particular um some people are taking um cbd uh, for a whole, you know, a, a host of different reasons, but it is finally, 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 and now probably because of the legalization of marijuana here in California for not just, um, medical purposes, but also for recreational, there's more, mm, uh, talk about it, and there seems to be, um, a lot of people jumping onto the, the CBD bandwagon. I wanted for our listeners who are not familiar with CBD, uh, what, the, I wanted to know if you could explain to our listeners what that is, and what's the difference between the CBD and the and THC, which is in the the typical like you know somebody was smoking uh, marijuana, there would be THC involved. Can you give our listeners a little bit of a, a breakdown on that? Sure, be happy to. Well, uh, THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol, uh, is the part in the uh, cannabis plant that gets people high. And there used to be much, much, much less in it when uh, we were children. And now because everybody seems to think more is better, which is often not true, they have hybridized the plants to be so high in THC that if somebody smoked ages ago, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm 60, I'll be 67 in a few months. So if somebody smoked when they were in their 20s and now they're 50s or 60s and they used to uh, you know, smoke a joint or whatever they wanted to call it, smoke a hash pipe, and now they think it was the same and they smoke as much before they realize that they're going nuts, that they're way higher than they ever wanted to be because they've made it much, much too high. However, the THC nonetheless also has benefits and a lot of the anti-cancer properties uh, have been attributed to THC, to the one that gets you high. CBD, cannabidiol, and there are a number of different uh, molecules that are all part of the CBD complex. Uh, CBD does not have anything in it that will get you high. And so if they're using a hemp plant, which was instead hybridized in the other direction to not produce THC, or if they're taking the CBD out separately and removing the THC, now we have something that if it would be beneficial, which it is, and I'll give you a couple of indications, um, it is not going to get anybody high. It will not cause any problems whatsoever. And so there's a lot more research being done on both of them, actually, around the world. Uh, the CBD has pretty strong anti-inflammatory properties. And, you know, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, take some kind of NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. They may be taking Tylenol or ibuprofen or, or aspirin or any of these things, all of which kill thousands and thousands of people every year. Uh, they can destroy the liver. They can destroy the kidneys. Some people need really strong anti-inflammatories like prednisone, mm -hmm. which is used both uh, internally and in inhalers for asthmatics. I've never had, or we in the holistic profession have never had, a strong enough anti-inflammatory substance to be able to get somebody that is on prednisone for their, let's, let's take asthma as an example, to be able to get them off those inhalers, to be able to get them off the prednisone, because nothing we gave them was strong enough, and they'd still have to reach you know, for their drugs. And I would change people's diets. I would put them on anti-inflammatory diets. They could drop their drug use sometimes by 80%, but they would still occasionally need that drug inhaler. Now, with the massively stronger anti-inflammatory effects of CBD, I can, and I have, gotten quite a number of my patients off of their inhalers. They don't need them anymore. Wow. It has nothing to do with the doctor saying anything. They, they reach for it when they need it, and now when they're taking, let's say, 60 or 80 or, or 100 milligrams of CBD a day, they no longer need it, and that's fantastic. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> so what are some of the other qualities? So we know that it's uh, – I've been, I've heard that CBD is an adaptogenic, and I have an idea of what that is, but I wanted to know what your thoughts on it. it uh, what is an adaptogenic, and is that truly what the what CBD is? 
Uh, I don't consider CBD to be an adaptogen. Uh, adaptogens are substances which help the body adapt to stress. So anytime you are having anything, whatever it might be, which you know when you are under more stress, it is worse than if you're taking the right kinds and qualities of adaptogens, the stress will not bother you as much. So every single thing that stress has been shown to affect, it's been shown to affect your hormonal system, your immune system, your moods, I mean, so many different things. And uh, if you take uh, enough of the right kinds of adaptogens, you'll find those things don't have as much of an effect. And I love adaptogens. If you go to my website and put adaptogen into the search engine, you'll get a beautiful uh, lecture that was done on some of the really good adaptogens by uh, one of the experts that, that formulated some, I don't consider CBD to be an adaptogen. It, it may later be proven to be one, but it is definitely anti-seizure. So there are a lot of people with all sorts of different seizure disorders that were taking either a lot of drugs and the drugs didn't do as well as the person or the parent wanted or maybe didn't do at all. Uh, and they instead switched over to either CBD by itself or possibly a combination with a small amount of THC in it. And all of a sudden, the seizures go away. Or they drop down from a couple of hundred a day to two or three a day, which one of the people that I met said happened to them when they finally tried it. So it definitely has a lot of different possibilities. We actually have uh, cannabinoid receptors on thousands of our cells all over our bodies because hemp and cannabis are not the only plants that have cannabinoids in them. They're just the ones that have a huge amount. And so somehow or other, we evolved for all of these years we've been on the earth, being able to use some of these chemicals and not realizing that they were in some of the foods that we're eating, which is, uh, you know, now, now we have more and more research being done. Again, because, as you said, it is being legalized uh, more and more in different places, which I think is great. You know, I think it's terrific. People ask me, what do I think about smoking marijuana? I've had a lot of patients that have asked me that. And my answer always used to address two things. I used to say, well, number one, if your life uh, is such that you need an escape and one person is using a, a, a toxic drug, one person is using alcohol, somebody's using uppers, somebody's using downers, somebody's using heroin, cocaine, you know, or marijuana, if your life is that way, you really need to try and figure out why and see if you can change it mm. because we shouldn't have to take exactly. something yeah. to escape. Uh, however, I used to also tell people, and then I found out I was wrong, I used to tell people, well, if you're taking burning vegetable matter, burning leaves into your lungs, so if you're taking it by smoking it, it's got to at least, you know, even though it's probably way better than alcohol, it's got to at least be increasing your rate of lung cancer. Well, the research has proven me wrong. I love being proven wrong because that means I learned something new. Medical doctors <laughs> hate it. They argue with you and, they, you know, absolutely. I No, no, no. Prove me wrong. You teach me something new because they did a study of long-term pot smokers, and they had a lower lung cancer risk than general non-smokers of anything. Wow. Because of the anti-cancer effects of pot. Wow. <laughs> you just increased the sales of pot throughout the country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is, that, is, that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. But then it... It makes it actually it makes sense too as well. Um, David Getoff, the detox professor, is my guest today, and we are talking all things uh, health related. And since we are, you know, on the topic of all these um, all these health related issues, you know, um, okay, there's the here's the age old question, detox professor: um, vegetarian diet versus meat eaters diet, carnivorous diet. Um, I you've got people on both sides. You've got I mean you've got You've got folks who are who are who can go either way. You've got other ones who are staunch um, vegetarians, and they're and they're saying this is the only way to go. And then you got people in on the other uh, end, and then you got this uh, what is it the uh, keto diet and and all these different things. What what is your take on this? Because you have been doing this for a very long time. Um, vegetarian diet. I know it, it all depends upon the person, but um, what has been your experience with your patients, with your, your clients? Well, the, the only way that you can determine, uh, and I hate the word diet because diet is defined as a change in eating habits for a desired goal, and I want people to change their lifestyle. So I, I often don't even say diet. Nonetheless, the only way that you can determine that some way of eating is healthy or not healthy is very simple uh, but very, very time-consuming, and it's been done a long time ago, not done very much anymore, and that is we need 
multi-generational research. So you have to fly around the world. Uh, and you have to live with a bunch of different societies, tribal communities, that because of where they are and what they are and who they are, have been eating the same things and not eating the same things for the last thousand years. And so for the last five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve, or two hundred generations, they've been eating the same way. Um, and uh, Weston Price, in his travels, when he lived with these societies around the world, and his book is still the best book on the topic. It's called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. It's available from the Price Pottinger Foundation at uh, PPNF, Price Pottinger Nutrition Foundation.org. Uh, he looked at these people. He lived with them. Some of these people, you, could, you couldn't do his research today because too many of these people have been encroached upon by good old us. And now you go there and instead of people wearing nothing or loincloths, uh, you have people wearing T-shirts you know, that have sayings on them. And they ask you, do you have batteries because somebody gave them a transistor radio? So you can no longer get the untouched populations. But what he found was all of the healthy populations ate animal foods. And every once in a while, when there were two populations in similar climates, but because of the locality of uh, a mountain range or, or whatever it was, one particular group had less access to animal foods, they were always less healthy. So my main answer is you cannot designate a way of eating healthy or not healthy unless you can have people eating that way for five generations – so anything that's slowly screwing up the DNA or doing things has now presented itself and see that they're still in fantastic health. And so anytime somebody take, let's take veganism, for example, where people say, oh, no, no, we should never have anything that ever had a face on it, has to be absolutely 100% vegetarian, vegan. That's great if they want to believe that, uh, but there aren't any fifth-generation vegans on the planet that they can point to because they would have died off from lack of a number of essential nutrients. Uh, is it possible if we remove the word vegan and say vegetarian, well, you know, how many different vegetarians are there? there there's lacto-vegetarian, lacto-over-vegetarian. Some people say they're vegetarian, but it's only red meat they won't eat. So they might be able to get enough of all of the required things from all the other different types of meats. It really varies. But we need animal foods. And when I get into this, you know, let's call it an argument. I hate doing that. There's a lot of stuff on my website on vegetarianism. Um, if you have somebody... And the reason that they are staying away from birds and fish and beef and lamb and whatever is because we are treating these animals awfully. I have to agree with them. I mean, I, I can't disagree with them. We are treating their, their confinement and they're horrible. We're giving them the wrong food. We're not giving them fresh water, fresh air. We are treating them horribly. However, every single traditional society Let's pick an easy one. How about a bunch of the American Indians, the Lakota Sioux, the Apache, the Cherokee, whatever. All of those people treated our planet better than anybody you or I will ever meet, and none of them were vegetarian. They thanked their spirits, their gods, to go out and have a good hunt so that they could bring back the necessary meat to keep their society happy. So if somebody says, I'm doing it to respect the planet, I'm sorry. You can respect the planet without doing that because they respected it better than we did. And the best way to do that is to make sure that you're eating grass-fed beef from sustainable farms, that you're eating free-range, and actually that's not even good enough, pastured chickens and eggs from pastured chickens where they're out there in a green pasture and they're eating some insects and some worms and they're having a very good life even if it's not as long as it would be otherwise because they are being killed for food. And that's what I do. Grass-fed beef, grass-fed lamb, pastured chickens, uh, you know, always, always wild-caught fish of the low-mercury variety. So I feel I'm doing my part to try and push this horrible agricultural industry we have toward being nicer to all the animals because, hey, you and I are animals and everybody listening to us talk is also an animal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and again, those, uh, it is, we're lucky enough that we have those resources too that we can, um, uh, get alternatives to, uh, to the mass produced factory farming, uh, type of products that they have out. So I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Um, one thing that, um, that comes up, uh, time and time again on these programs and also, you know, even speaking with, uh, with my friends and family is the debate on vaccines and, there's uh there's a whole 
a whole range of viewpoints that people have on vaccines, everything from um, vaccines are great, um, anybody that's against any kind of vaccine is a kook and should be sequestered on an island, uh, to those folks who who are strictly anti-vaccine, and then those in the middle who say there are some vaccines that, of course, are necessary and, and required um, to keep uh, to keep us healthy, and then other ones that they want to stay away from. What is your, and I know this is very hard to put into a nutshell, but what is your um, uh, standpoint on vaccines? Are there good ones? Are there bad ones? And um, and what's your spin on, on this whole subject matter? Well, I've been looking into vaccines for probably 25 years. Uh, I have met and spoken in person to many of the uh, researchers that are on uh, mostly one side, the anti-vaccine side, but occasionally the pro-vaccine side. I've read lots of books. I've read lots of research papers. I've probably got 15 books right in front of me in my office on vaccines and vaccine science. And really what's going on is very, very sad and scary at the same time. Uh, because in science, any true scientist, if you would ask a scientist, I don't care if we're talking about a biologist, uh, a, 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 a sociologist, an astronomer, uh, somebody that, that uh, uh, is looking at agriculture, uh, medicine, any true scientist in any field, if you would ask that person, so... Uh, what would it take for something to be settled that nobody should ever look at that particular thing ever again? The true scientist would laugh at you. He'd say, you must be kidding. He said, the whole idea of science is nothing is ever settled. We always keep looking. We sometimes find something that everybody knew was absolutely some way, and we found out they were all wrong because they were missing some variable or didn't look at it right. Yeah. So number one is this nonsense that, oh, they did this study with the Institute of Medicine, and we've gotten rid of all these problems that we know that vaccines are good, and we shouldn't look at it again. That's total nonsense, and no scientist would say that. However, if you take a look at the actual research and you find out what's really being done, it's very scary. So first of all, the, what I want people to understand is – if you want to be knowledgeable and if you want to learn things that are correct, um, you have to be willing in every single field that you would like to learn the correct things on. You have to be willing to do something which is now easy because of the Internet, but which most people don't, don't do. And that's very simple. You need to be able to take some time and you need to be able to look. If it's reading or lectures or videos or movies, you need to be able to expose yourself to at least three, I think four, five, or six would be better, at least three experts, not your neighbor, not your friend, not some parent, experts with the same MDs and the same PhDs as the people on the prevailing side of the argument. You need to expose yourself to at least three experts that have the different idea. Listen to everything they have to say, and after you've done that, if you go, yep. Yeah, now, don't like their reasoning, don't like what they're saying, I'm going to stay with the 99%, that's fine. But in many cases, you're going to go, holy crap, really? I had no idea. So you have to be willing to do that. And I have a site, an area on my website devoted to opening people's minds. It's called In Search of Unknown Facts, and it teaches you how to search for unknown facts. However, to be more succinct, uh, there isn't a single vaccination that is currently available in the United States for any condition for adults or children, which has been correctly and properly and thoroughly researched to be either safe or effective with our currently available type of research. In other words, double-blind placebo-controlled crossover trial. It's never been done. Never. Not one vaccine. And the couple of them that they will say, oh, yes, oh, this one was, if you pull the research out and take a look at it, you get really angry because one group got the vaccine. And let's make one up. Let's just say it was a, a, an MMR vaccine. One group gets the MMR vaccine. And then the manufacturer of the MMR vaccine leaves in the monkey viruses, the aluminum, uh, the traces of all sorts of different toxic chemicals, the preservatives, the squalene. All they do is they pull out the mumps, measles, and rubella virus. All the other crap gets left in there. And that gets injected into the other group, and they call that a placebo. I'm sorry, that's not a placebo. No. A placebo would be lactated ringer solution or sterile saline. So when they get the same number of side effects in both groups, 
and they published to the public and to the medical profession that the placebo-controlled trial didn't show any difference, it's a big lie. Wow. And so yeah. not a single one out there would I, would I ever give anybody I cared about, or my cats. They've never been vaccinated. Uh, uh, one that they're really pushing, um, not only here in the United States, but uh, globally, is this HPV vaccine for young, not only girls, um, but also uh, also boys. And I, I believe I'm not certain if it was the state of Texas that was making it mandatory, but they're making it more more and more um, places are making it mandatory. Um, now, this isn't something for, you know, that that's happening when you have an infant. This is young, um, especially young girls in the, the tween ages, uh, preteen. And uh, Gardasil is something I think there's two. I believe there's two manufacturers. There's Gardasil and there's one other one. But I have I looked up and this does not take, you know, I don't have a Ph.D. I looked up just the side effects of Gardasil or the um, uh, any any um, symptoms, you know, um, uh, contrary symptoms. And my God, David, there were so many young girls that were um, their lives are completely ruined after immediately after they took this. And and yet it is um, still being mandatory in some areas. What can what can people do? Is there is there anything that people can do um, as far as finding ways to opt out of this or to fight up against it, to, to, to stop this mandatory vaccinations? Well, the Gardasil vaccine is the most toxic vaccine that has been used in the last 50 years. Uh, it has killed uh, more girls than any other single vaccine. Uh, the study that was done, and I forget whether it was an FDA publication or a CDC publication, I show it in my course every semester. I'll be, sh- I'll be having it on the wall in a few weeks during my classes. Uh, it, it was amazing the number of health conditions that the people that got this vaccine during their trials came down with which did not have those health conditions previously so they had this big list of all of the health conditions that these children didn't have and that they contracted because of getting the Gardasil vaccine and there's a whole list and a percentage of how many of them got it and it's scary as heck so uh, as far as your question is there anything we can do the problem is there is so many billions of dollars on the wrong side of this issue convincing people that vaccines are good for us, that there's herd immunity, which is another piece of nonsense, and that we need these and that they're preventing all sorts of deaths when, in fact, what they're doing is causing a mass increase in chronic health conditions to try and avoid somebody from getting some little disease that they'd get for a couple weeks and get over. Now they get a chronic condition like asthma, which is five to 600% higher in vaccinated kids uh, for the rest of their lives. So what can we do? The only thing that we can do, and it's very difficult because of how much money is on the wrong side of the issue, is to keep on plodding away at getting people to understand that they've been misled. Because unless we get a groundswell where an awfully large percentage of the people that have been completely snowed and that think that you and I are nuts and that if anybody doesn't get vaccinated, they shouldn't be allowed in school, we have to get them to understand everything they've been taught is not based on the science and is wrong, and somebody has to get their head out of the sand and read some of the books. And there are a couple of good ones. You know, one good one uh, is called Miller's Review of Critical Vaccine Studies, and he goes over 400 important scientific studies that are summarized for parents and researchers that I'm sure they've never seen any of them before. Another one is Vaccine Safety Manual. Another one is uh, Dissolving Illusions. Uh, Tim O'Shea has a great book called Vaccination is Not Immunization. There's so much out, and we have a couple of movies. Uh, the, movie, the two movies are Vaxxed, which came out, I think, last year, and 50 Cents a Dose, which came out a few years before. And I believe they titled it 50 Cents a Dose because they're saving 50 cents a dose by putting in toxic preservatives instead of you know, putting in a more expensive preservative. Uh, but it wouldn't matter because there's so many other things in there. It's a major problem. So what I do, I, I find that arguing with people doesn't work you know, because they yell and you yell and we get nowhere. So what I do instead is I say, let me ask you a simple question, okay? And please listen to my question and don't go off on a tangent. I want the next words out of your mouth to be the answer to my question, regardless of your current beliefs. If you were wrong and the truth was on the opposite side, would you want to know? And then I shut up. 
And that's what I want an answer to. Oh, no, no, but, but, but no, 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 no. If you were wrong, would you want to know? And unless somebody's a real ignoramus or a fool, they're going to say, well, of course I'd want to know, but I'm not wrong. Well, <laughs> if you were wrong, how do you think you'd find out? Because if 99% of the people are wrong because of where money and power are pushing the knowledge base, you're not going to be able to find out without trying. And that's why I put the In Search of Unknown Facts area on my website so that I would help direct people to three or four or five or six. And in the fluoride area, in the vaccine area, in the silver amalgam area, there's a whole bunch of different things up there to give you top people, MDs, MD, PhDs, uh, you know, Sherry Tenpenny and Neil Miller, Tim O'Shea. There's a whole bunch of good people out there, Suzanne Humphreys. And a lot of their videos are in the vaccine section of my website so that people can take a look. And those that have an open mind and take a look always call me up and say, oh, my God. God, I, I didn't know this. But when I mention it to any of my friends, they tell me I'm an idiot. And I go, but then you didn't do what I did. You goofed. You, you, you said, did you know that vaccines are really dangerous? And they said, oh, good, you're, you've just become a wacko. You can't do that. You have to do what I just did. You have to say, would you do me a favor? I need you to do me a favor. Um, I've watched a couple of videos, and – I like your comments on those videos. I don't even want to tell you exactly what they are. Would you would you promise me that the next two weeks you'll take maybe an hour of your time on two separate occasions and watch two videos that I'll send you links to? Because I want your opinion. Now they're interested in what do you want their opinion on. And you know, you watch five or six of the videos on my website by a bunch of the professionals. Pick two or three that you like a lot. You know, it might be a different one that somebody else would. Send them the links to those. And now they are doing you a favor by watching them. They're learning it, not by your arguing with them. And now we open another mind up. It's the only way we're going to ever get anywhere. And it's going to be really slow because there's so much money on the wrong side of this issue. There is so much money. I mean, not just combined with not just the big pharma itself and that whole machine, but then the other arm of it, which is the government and uh, legislate and state uh, state governments and federal governments. And then on top of that, you have the politicians who are getting their pockets filled, you know, by passing these things in their in their state, uh, making things mandatory. Um, and one thing, too, that when. You know, when when this debate really was was heating up quite a bit and it still is. Um, but when it was t talked about, I, re I remember listening to um, uh, the pro vaccine side and and talking, extolling all these virtues about um, about vaccines and always bringing up the polio vaccine, the polio vaccine. Right. And all that. Um, and now the new now the new thing is um, about about measles. But. Um, I was I was shocked that nobody brought up the fact too that these pharmaceutical companies, even if if you are asked or not even asked but told that you have to immunize uh, and, and vaccinate your child or you yourself, that um, not too long ago the government released liability for these in, in, for these um, vaccine companies. So. You know, listen, uh, David, if I sold you a bottle of juice and you drank that juice and you became sick or paralyzed or uh, went into a coma or died, I could get sued for giving you that juice. If you if they said, well, it was in the juice, whatever he had in the juice made him sick and died. OK, you your family could sue me. But with these, something that you put into your veins, into your bloodstream and is with you forever if something happens to you, you, there's no liability. There's no you can't sue the the company and say, hey, what you had in your vaccine harmed my child or myself. That's shocking to me. And a, and a lot of people don't realize that that it's the only industry in the world. And what they did was, and they were only able to do this because so many people don't know the facts about vaccines. Basically, what happened was more and more people were suing the vaccine manufacturers. I don't even know how many there are out there. You know, uh, Merck, Aventus, Pasteur, there are a bunch of them. They were suing the manufacturers, and then the manufacturers were, you know, very, very strong, very, very wealthy. And so what they did is they sent all of their representatives to Congress, talking to all of the Congress people, and they said, look, if you don't protect us from these lawsuits, we're just going to stop making vaccines and to hell with the population, let you all get sick. And, of course, if the Congress people knew that vaccines weren't doing what they're claimed to be doing, they would have said, 
That's fine. No problem. Uh, we don't care. We're not going to absolve you. But instead, because they don't know this, they passed a regulation which absolves all of the vaccine manufacturers, just like you said, of any liability. You cannot sue a vaccine manufacturer because Congress prevented that. So what they did was they started the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting Act, and they set it up so that our government would instead pay out if oh, somebody was vaccine damaged. But that's not our government. <laughs> that's our tax dollars. That's you and me paying that's for it. That's our tax dollars. That's right. That's and correct. That's our tax dollars. Every time you get a vaccine, a certain <sighs> amount goes into that. And they are making it so difficult for people to collect that that most of the people that have gotten damaged aren't even collecting anything. They're, they've given up because it's so – and the line is so long. I, I, forget, I, I don't remember. Somebody told me what the – total amount was the accumulating amount of claims it was a lot david i can't remember the exact dollar amount but it was a lot and so if these vaccines were so safe why are so many people suing um because their children are permanently uh damaged you know um or or irreparably damaged um from this so yeah oh my goodness Okay, so we have to educate, 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 and illuminate. Educate, um, educate, educate. And, and originally, if you go back you know, many, many years, something like 1 in 10,000 kids got autism. And now the current statistics, depending on which study you're looking at, uh, is up to about 1 in 55 and 1 in 26 boys, because boys are the ones that normally get autistic. So it's really, really scary uh, one person who's an MIT scientist, she said that if they continue to go up at the same rate uh, within you know, not too many years, I don't remember whether she said 2028 or 2032 or something, we're not going to have a workforce anymore because everybody's going to be autistic. Uh, but what, well, what, what to me is really, really scary is that the people don't understand this. In San Diego, we have an organization called the Autism Research Institute, ARI. They were originally referred to as DAN defeat autism now um, and they had a dan conference every year i attended them year after year after year i got on their dan practitioner list to treat autistics to see how much better we could make them as long as the kid never got another vaccine um, and the uh, organization that uh, helps people if they get the bends uh, which was the Divers Action Network, uh, sued them and said, you can't use Dan anymore. That's the Divers Action Network. So they stopped calling them Dan conferences. Now they're just Autism Research Institute. But I remember one when the person who started the organization was still alive, fabulous man, Bernard Rimland. And uh, we had about 600 people at that conference. Uh, many, many of them were medical doctors who now had autistic kids, and they wanted to learn if there was anything they could do about it. And Dr. Rimland up at the podium said, for all of you out there, if any of you have children who are autistic, please raise your hand. And most of the hands went up because most of the participants were parents of autistic children. So we got all these hundreds of hands up. He said, now, if when your child became autistic, it was so close to a vaccination that, and you were convinced that the vaccine is what caused it, uh, raise your other hand and put both hands up. Now we've got hundreds and hundreds of people with both their hands up. He said, now, if you have medical documentation, in other words, you've got videos of your kids before they became autistic, you've got uh, meetings with the, uh, the, the doctors uh, showing that your child was meeting all of their learning parameters, everything was fantastic, no problems, and then all of a sudden they regressed into autism after the vaccine, and it's shown in the medical records, raise your hands, uh, excuse me, wave your hands back and forth, and all these hundreds of hands start waving back and forth. And he then commented, I hope that makes it onto CBS or NBC News. I forget who was there filming it, and of course it never did, oh. but they had it filmed, and I show that in my classes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's an explosion, uh, David. There's an explosion of autism at an unprecedented rate and and in particular i have just you know i've just been returned from australia and um everybody that i met their son was autistic and the thing is is that uh this is it it, it first of all that child's life is um, f forever going to, it's going to be challenging for that child, right? But also for the parents and for the family, because they don't know what to do. 
they don't uh, you know it's it's something that that's very little bit of research very little research is um available for how t- what's best for them what, you know we know some of the things that that are the uh, the telltale signs of someone who has a- autism and some of the things that they don't you know that they don't like that a lot of times they like to be have the alone time depends on what spectrum they are as far as eye contact is concerned um their inability to feel others uh, emotions and or social correctness of you know when to speak and how to how to speak so there's um there's a lot of challenges not just for that individual but also for their family as they grow up and uh, that's what i wanted to know if you have any um maybe some suggestions for families who are uh who have a child who has autism because now you know obviously you, you can't beat yourself up now that if you did have vaccines and you and you think this was a cause of it you can't beat yourself up for that but there must be some things um that that perhaps they can do that will help um that child with with autism do you have any suggestions for them uh, I actually I gave a two-hour lecture on autism uh, at the Price Pottinger Foundation a number of years ago, and I audio taped my lecture and I put it up for free on my website. So if you just go to my website and put autism in the search engine, it will bring you to that lecture, and you can listen to the whole lecture. You can download it and hand it to people. Uh, I, I made it uh, completely free. What's what's what really is is astonishing is that we have. Uh, a vaccine whistleblower, Bill Thompson, uh, who, as an employee of the Centers for Disease Control, was told, while an employee of the CDC, to uh, screw up research, to, uh, I was going to say burn, but no, to, uh, to shred files. They didn't want people to see that these things existed. Uh, and and it, it ended up that some of this information came out, but they've got so much power that it hasn't gotten out to the public. So in other words, the media doesn't know this. There's been an entire book written on it called Vaccine Whistleblower, Exposing Autism Research Fraud at the CDC. And again, it's just entitled Vaccine Whistleblower. So the information is there, but you will never hear the other media. I mean, you know, you guys are media, but you're doing the right stuff. The other media, the public doesn't understand the power of advertising. You know, let's 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 make up an example, okay? Uh, of all, if if somebody watches TV on two or three different networks for a couple of hours, the single most prominent organization that you will see ads for are pharmaceutical companies. They're for drugs, prescription drugs. Nothing is advertised as much. Therefore, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox—I don't care who it is—they bring in more advertising dollars from pharmaceutical advertising than from any other single source. So what do you think would happen? Obviously, I've never been in on this conversation, so I, don't, I can't prove that it happened. But what do you think would happen if a study came out that showed that this vaccine whistleblower uh, had all of this information and they wanted the public to know, and a couple of companies, Merck, Aventus, Pasteur, Sibagaygi, whatever, called up all the radio stations, all the TV stations that they advertise on, and they said, look, we understand that this whistleblower just had this information or that this study just showed that uh, childhood asthma is 500 to 600 percent more in kids that are vaccinated or any other fact. We understand that that just that that just came out. We understand that you're a media outlet and and you have to talk about this. Um, So you have to pick one of your news shows that you have found is the least audience of all your shows. Maybe that's two o'clock in the afternoon because everybody's at work and you can say it then. But if you mention it any other time, we will pull $20 million worth of advertising dollars from your network for the next 12 months. Now, technically, you and I listen to the words I just said, and we'd say, uh, isn't that blackmail? Well, <laughs> yeah, it would probably it would probably meet the description and the definition of blackmail. But you can't force a company to advertise with you. So if they say, if you do this, I'm going to pull $20 million worth of advertising, they have the right to do that. And guess what? They then don't promote what we need to hear and don't get to hear. Oh, it is a huge cover up and it is devastating. This and it's all for money. 
it's all for greed and money. And that's what the most disgusting part of this is, is that it's all for the mighty dollar. Um, f- folks, if you have just tuned in, my guest is David Getoff, and he is the detox professor. He had mentioned to, uh, regarding autism that he had a, it was a two hour lecture, an autism lecture, um, available on his website. And that website, cause I know people are saying, what's the website address? It's davidgetoff.com. D-A-V-I-D-G-E-T-O-F-F dot com. And I encourage you to go there. There's lots and lots of, of amazing information that he has. Um, a great deal of it is free for you, um, to, to watch, to listen to, and to share with your family and friends. So please, please, please do that. Um, David, we have about, ooh, a little less than 10 minutes. We got about eight minutes, uh, left to go. And I wanted to, um, to give that, uh, time to you to talk about things, um, maybe that I haven't asked, but that you think are really important for people to, uh, to hear right now. Okay, I'll, pu- I'll pop a couple things in quick, and then I'll talk about detox. So number one, uh, everybody really needs to go to In Search of Unknown Facts, which is a part of my website, and just listen to the audio at the beginning. I send people there all the time, and then you'll see what that's about. Good, good thing for you to do. Uh, next thing is I've been teaching a class called Attaining Optimal Health. It used to be called Attaining Optimal Health in the 20th century, and gee, the century has changed on me. So <laughs> now it's Attaining Optimal Health in the 21st century. I teach it through the Price Pottinger Nutrition Foundation. That's PP for Price Pottinger NF for nutritionfoundation.org. And uh, so if anybody's in San Diego County, you know, they can get the, the class very reasonably. It's like, I think it's $97 for the 10 week course. It begins the first Tuesday. In February, it's coming up, uh, and you can get on their website in classes and then in person to sign on. Uh, we've also videotaped the class a while back. Uh, the stuff is still totally accurate, and for people around the world that want to pay for the rights to watch it, you can do that. Detoxification, very, very, very important. And, of course, there isn't such a word as intoxication, but if somebody wants to pull poisonous substances out of your body, you got to remember that if you are still exposing yourself to all of these things, then you know you're working against yourself. So I've got a list on my website. I think it's in the uh, additional resources. Uh, it's a multi-page list with good quality hair products and uh, soaps and all these different cleansers, whatever that I found that don't have any garbage in them. Because I will not use chlorine-containing bleaches in my house. I won't use ammonia in the house. Uh, I try to get all of the different products that don't have garbage in them. Most of the toothpastes on the market have fluoride, sodium lauryl sulfate, uh, which is a concrete degreaser. Uh, some of your uh, uh, other cosmetic products like body lotions have polyethylene and polypropylene glycol. That's antifreeze. So the more you can avoid those, the better. But what I concentrate on when I start working with somebody, and of course most of what I do is see patients one-to-one in my office, is I begin by addressing that we have to support their kidney function and their liver function with any of a number of different products depending on the individual because if we can't get those organs working much better than they are now, they're not going to be able to purge out the poisons which we're going to start grabbing from your cells and ushering through your bloodstream to be filtered out by your kidneys and liver. So we first have to get those two working very well, and I talk about that in my book, Abundant Health in the Toxic World. Uh, there's even a, a, a website that a nurse put up called Elite Alternatives with an S dot net, where she makes available some of the things that I t- talk about so people can find them, because some of the products, such as the German kidney and liver dro- uh, drops that I use, uh, they don't want sold to the public. But because they go out with my directions written on them, it becomes okay. So anything that's toxic to us that we can reduce, you're doing a good favor to your body. But if you don't learn proper diet, if you don't learn what things are bad for you, somebody has a big thing of popcorn or a big thing of a bunch of rice cakes, and they don't understand that that's trying your darndest to make sure that you get cancer, diabetes, and heart disease because all of those things turn right into sugar in your body almost as quickly as if you'd had a candy bar. And so we have to learn which those things are. And you, you know, my website has things on starches, sugars, and alcohols. A lot of it is in the book. But there's a lot of information there. There's another big area uh, that uh, Christine hasn't mentioned, you know, the vaccine is a gigantic one. And that's so, sort of something which has been creeping up on us year after year after year, getting worse and worse and worse. There's a fair amount of research that's been published on it all over the world and nobody's talking about it 
and I'm sorry, everybody listening, but it's electromagnetic radiation. Yes. And the electromagnetic radiation that most people have the greatest exposure to are the ones that are on in their own house, apartment, or condo 24 hours a day. That would be your Wi-Fi, and if you have one, a cordless phone. Next after that is the cell phone, because that's hurting you when you're using it, whereas the Wi-Fi is hurting you whether you're using it or not. The cordless phone, even if nobody is on the cordless phone, is radiating signals all over your house whether you're using it or not. In my home and home office, there is no Wi-Fi. They've been turned off. I had an electrician come in and wire, hardwired all the places where we have computers because I will not have a cordless phone in my house or a Wi-Fi in my house. Yes, those are very convenient, and I'm sorry, but I don't consider dementia to be convenient, autoimmune diseases to con- be convenient, cancer to be convenient, and there's an entire area on my website for electro and electromagnetic fields, and you can take a look at that. I said that there were two movies on uh, out on vaccines. We now have two pretty good movies and a couple others coming on electric fields. Oh, uh, the fantastic. One, which is great, is called Generation Zapped, which is what we are. We are Generation Zapped. Great movie, won a bunch of awards, and I'm sure none of you have heard of it. And the other one, which is predominantly on the smart meters, uh, is called Take Back Your Power. So I highly recommend that you look for those. If Netflix doesn't have them, go on Amazon and buy them for 20 bucks. Watch them. Lend them out to your friends because when you're in your home, that's supposed to be, ah, okay. I'm not at work anymore because my office is in my house. It's a little bit different. But you're your home. You're now relaxed. Guess what? Your body is not relaxed. Your body is being inflamed the entire time you are asleep, and it's supposed to be regenerating. It's being harmed because your Wi-Fi is still plugged in and your cordless phone is still plugged in. And most people are too ignorant of the facts to know that their cell phone, if it's charging, should be a couple rooms away. So it's also in your bedroom. And all of this stuff has to be changed. And, and you have to remember that if you are not using something but it's turned on and it's in your vicinity, it's still doing the job. So therefore... Let's say that you have an electrician come in that is versed in this, and they run hardwire lines from your router or your modem to the place where you have your main computer, where your spouse has her or his computer or laptop. And yes, I'm sorry, you can't do it on a cell phone. They don't connect that way. Uh, many of the tablets don't connect wired, and many of them do with the right adapters. But if when you're done doing that, you don't have some with the knowledge of how to do what I'm about to say, go in through the computer into your router or your modem to the Wi-Fi area and click the off box for the two transmitters. Even though you're not using it, you're still getting the exact same amount of harm from it. So after you're hardwired, you now have to turn off the transmitters and unplug your cordless phones. You can put corded phones in every room in your house, but if the corded, the corded ones are being used and the cordless one is still plugged in, you're still being irradiated. So you have to know what you have to do. Very important. A lot of stuff on my website. And, um, you know, I never said health was convenient. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) David Getoff, the detox professor. Oh, there's so many. I want to make sure we have you back on because there's so many things that we can talk about. And just this whole thing with the... with smart meters and EMF and uh, the radiation that we're being exposed to. That's a whole show on its own, and I would love to have you back on Out of the Box with Christine. So we'll definitely have you back on. But for for now, if people can get all that information that he was talking about, please do check it out. If it's about the uh, if it's about vaccines or detoxing or vegetarian diet or the toxicity of cell phones and computers and other electric fields, please check out his website. It's davidgetoff.com, D-A-V-I-D-G-E-T-O-F-F.com, and you'll find out so much information. Uh, David, I want to thank you again for your time and for being on the show today. I really uh, appreciate it and can't wait to have you back. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Contact Julia. I'll be more than happy to schedule it again. Like I said, I love educating the public and trying to open people's eyes to things that they either didn't know or more likely knew, but they're wrong.
Love that. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and I want to thank you, folks. I thank you so much for listening this week. Remember, you can share this program. Uh, the, this is available, of course, on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and YouTube. But the best way to do it is from YouTube. You can share that video uh, on your social media and in emails as well. And make sure that other people hear this important program. Until next week, I want to remind you, as always, to think outside of the box. Bye for now.